Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about perimenopause, the journey to menopause, is Dr. Joyelle Ballard. Dr. Ballard is a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist. She's very passionate about educating and empowering women to initiate and maintain a healthy lifestyle. Dr. Ballard is also a best-selling author of Loving Me, Myself, and Her Through Perimenopause and Beyond, which is a self-affirming guide that enlightens, encourages, and empowers women approaching menopausal transition. Thank you for being here, Dr. Ballard. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. We first started communicating earlier this year about collaborating. We were living in different times. How were you doing during the quarantine? <laughs> oh, that is so true. I am managing, um, you know, as a you know, physician being so used to seeing patients in the office is quite different doing telemedicine from home. Um, but it is, you know, manageable, and it's definitely a plus for patients that are still able to, you know, talk with me and see me, which is good. Um, but, you know, I do miss that, you know, that patient-to-physician or human-to-human connection in the office because I'm a very, you know, just very touchy-feeling physician, and I, I do miss that connection in the office. But I am grateful that I'm able to do telemedicine um, as well as stay home with my children, um, you know, and that's also been challenging with that in homeschooling. So, so yeah, it's been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> understand, understand. So let's jump right in. Um, what is the difference between perimenopause and menopause? Okay, menopause. Women will experience menopause when they stop having periods, they have no bleeding whatsoever for, for 12 consecutive months. And that usually, usually on average, happens around 50-51. Perimenopause is essentially when the hormones are starting to fluctuate, peri meaning around menopause. So this is around the time where the periods start to become different because the hormones are fluctuating and you start, women can start to get menopausal symptoms like the hot flashes and, and things like that. So in perimenopause can start as early as the age of 39. And the actual time period between perimenopause and menopause can, can be anywhere from two to 10 years which, you know, sounds a little bit daunting for a lot, for a lot of women, but um, it can be a while for them to actually hit actual menopause. But perimenopause is when they really start to become symptomatic in regards to the, you know, associated with menopause. Interesting. Now, you had, in your book, one of the things you really stress is this is a natural process every woman will experience. It's just the timing is different from woman to woman. And, you know, I wanted to stress the natural part of it because a lot of women come in, you know, it really feels unnatural. It, you know, you don't feel like yourself. You're having these symptoms. You don't know why you're having these symptoms. And I really try to stress to them that this is natural. Um, this is something that every woman will go through. And like, like I said, every woman will have their different experience, a different journey. Some women may have no symptoms whatsoever. Some may have all of the symptoms. So it just really kind of depends on the person. But it is a natural process that, you know, everyone will have to go through and will get through if they, you know, be, if they are proactive about, you know, managing their symptoms. Yeah, you have many good takeaways in your book, and one in particular that has resonated with me. I, first thing I underlined when I read it was change can be a good thing even when uncomfortable. Just curious if you can maybe expound on that a little bit. So, you know, they experience, you know, the menopause, they, they, they call it the change. And change is uncomfortable. Like if you don't, if you're so used to 
feeling one way or looking one way, and then all of a sudden you don't feel that way. It's, it's uncomfortable, but you have to look at it in a different way. I mean, you're changing. We are, we're evolving. We're actually, you know, a lot of women actually come into more of themselves when they're older because they're wiser. They're, they have more experience. So, you know, even though the change is uncomfortable, um, it's, it's something that, you know, it kind of teaches us to be, um, you know, loving, love ourselves and be comfortable with ourselves and com comfortable in our own skin, even though it feels uncomfortable at times. You have to be comfortable in the moment and, you know, again, just being proactive about embracing it and, you know, looking forward to just being better, just being a better person. So if we talk about the symptoms of perimenopause, you had, one of the things you had written down was listening to your body to determine triggers. So I was curious if you can expound on that a little bit because everybody has different triggers. Exactly. So, you know, symptoms, um, you know, hot flashes, night sweats, um, mood changes, mood irritability. And triggers that I, you know, talk about, you know, a lot of times I ask about diet. You know, sometimes a lot of things that we eat can trigger menopausal symptoms. Sugar, things high in sugar can cause um, an increase in hot flashes. Caffeine, that can cause an increase in hot flashes. Or things that we do or things that we experience. Stress, stress can significantly exacerbate or make the symptoms of menopause more intense or more frequent. So those are things that, you know, it's essentially triggers that you have to kind of pay attention to. It's funny, I actually had a patient the other day that I was discussing menopause with, and she, you know, mentioned that I occasionally had um, uh, hot flashes before quarantine, but for some reason, um, with during quarantine, the hot flashes are being more significant. And then, then she mentioned, like, oh, I didn't, and I also realized I've been drinking a lot more wine. <laughs> so I'm like, well, <laughs> alcohol, <laughs> alcohol, it can be a trigger of hot flashes. And she's like, oh. So, yeah, so, you know, there's different triggers out there that can make the symptoms of menopause more intense or more frequent. So you really have to kind of pay attention to that and listen to your body like, yeah, you know, you probably shouldn't have drank that. You probably shouldn't have eaten that because, you know, it kind of gives you a, a sign of, you know, what you should and should not do. Now, as far as other things that may impact the female, the menstrual cycle, mood swings, mental fog, uh, trouble sleeping, these are things that not every woman's going to go through, right? Exactly. So, you know, I, I usually say, you know, there's probably about, I don't know, 5 to 10% of women who don't have any symptoms whatsoever. They just automatically just stop having a period at some point, you know, in their 50s or early, late 40s, and that's it. And they, they don't feel anything. And there, there's about, I would say, about, 60% of women who have mild symptoms, you know, hot flashes here and there, maybe a little mood irritability that's manageable, um, but they're able to sleep well and, you know, not having issues. And then there's a, um, another percentage that can significantly have, you know, all of those things as far as hot flashes, night sweats, um, not able to sleep at night, um, brain fog, just, you know, it, it lists all the symptoms that you can check every one of them. Um, so there are women who can, you know, experience severe symptoms. So, you know, like I say, it's different for everybody. Many women don't know what's going on with their bodies and minds. They feel lost and blindsided. So is that kind of where they, they, they suffer in silence because they think they're the only one going through this and they figure just don't talk about it? Yes, exactly, exactly. You cannot imagine there's so many women who are out here just thinking, like, I am the only one. I, I, I have to be the only one who, who, is, who is dealing with this.
because you know, like I said, it's not it's not it's not a conversation that you know. Unfortunately, we don't have enough. And I really try to stress to them that you are not alone. First of all, and um, second of all, it's okay. It's okay to feel this way, uh, and it is. And there's things you can do to make you feel better. Because they, you know, a lot of them feel like they are alone, and they feel like there's no there's no hope, and there's no, nothing that they can do. They just have to deal with it. Which it may be um, if the if the conversation was had in in their you know tribe or for a family member, they may have said, we, I just sucked it up and just dealt with it. But there mm-hmm. are some women who just can't, you know, who can't do that. So, and they just, you know, kind of just live in silence because they just feel like there's nothing, nothing to be done. So I really try to stress the fact that it, there is things that you can do, um, you know, with, you know, with, your, with yourself as far as your own lifestyle, as well as things as far as medications or, you know, things that your physician can potentially um, offer you. Um, to help you through this process and just to be proactive again about your own health and just, you know, speak up about it. Yeah, that's one of the things I want to go to next. When I go to the doctor, sometimes they feel like the clock is ticking. They have 15 minutes. So you had mentioned you know, the best thing for you is to put together a plan so you don't feel pressured. When you go in to see your healthcare provider, you're able to sit down and, and talk about your, your concerns, your fears. Do you need a full blood workup um, so that you can, you know, see that there's maybe other factors not to blame, like your thyroid, that maybe it is perimenopause. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's a matter of, you know, getting the knowledge of, you know, what may be going on and writing down what you're going through. So, and then, you know, if you, if when you gain knowledge about, you know, what potentially is out there, you know, whether it's from your friends or something that you've heard on television or things like that, something that you read in a book, um, and then bring that to the table, you know, to your physician. And another part of it, too, is that, you know, there's some women who come to me from other physicians um, because not feeling comfortable with the prior physician as far as the discussion. So you really have to be comfortable with a doctor that you're actually seeing to have the discussion, to, you know, come up with this plan. Because that makes a difference. If you don't feel comfortable talking to your physician about what's going on, the physician cannot help you. Um, right. So help the physician help you. And, but ha- but you have to have that, you know, good rapport, good relationship with your physician in order to do that. Yes, that's, that's so true. Uh, I want to talk about natural approaches because I think everybody realizes that eating healthy and exercise are important, but going through perimenopause, uh, those natural approaches that you can do. So that is something that I really try to emphasize when I'm talking to patients uh, who are coming in with, you know, perimenopausal, menopausal symptoms. That is the, the first thing that I talk about is their diet and exercise. And they look at me like, what do you mean? Like, I, what, I just have to eat right? Like, so it doesn't mean, you know, just eat a couple of vegetables, <laughs> eat a couple of vegetables here and there and exercise like once a week and I'm good. No, you really right, have right. to be intentional and be mindful of what you're putting into your body because what, because because that makes a difference in regards to your um, symptoms, in regards to your body reacting to the symptoms or the stresses of perimenopause and menopause, and exercise like that. You you keeping your body moving physically makes a difference. So I really try to stress the importance of lifestyle changes, like a plant based diet, like physical consistent exercise, because it makes a difference. 
I see a difference in my patients who do much of not of anything in regards to exercise and don't eat right, you know, eat fried food, processed food, things like that, and are miserable mm -hmm. with their menopausal symptoms as opposed to my patients who are very proactive about exercising consistently, eating, you know, healthy and just doing the things they need to do and feel good, even though they're going through these symptoms, right. they are able to manage them or, you know, essentially kind of tolerate them better. Right. Now, another thing that you, you mentioned is the natural remedies, like uh, acupuncture, right. herbs, and supplements as mm -hmm. well. Right. The, uh, another option for some women is hormones to use as treatment. Is that right? So, you know, like I said, I talk about lifestyle changes. I, I talk about natural um, options. But there are some women who do all of those things and still are, you know, not having a great time with these symptoms. So then I talk about hormones as being the option. Now, there are a lot of women who are very afraid of hormones. And because of the, you know, hormones has kind of been up and down as far as, you know, is it safe, is it not safe, is it safe. So it is, hormones are safe um, okay. if you are, you know, healthy otherwise, meaning that you don't have a history of breast cancer, you don't have a history of having clots in your, you know, your legs and lungs, so you don't have any risk factors that were predisposed you to, to have complications with hormones. So if you don't have any other major medical problems, hormones are safe early on in perimenopause and menopause and up to a certain point. So the studies have shown that if you take it early on in menopause or perimenopause, and, you know, take it only just for a period of time, usually up to 10 years, the risk of breast cancer, the risk of developing clots and things like that, cardiovascular problems, is quite low. But once you kind of reach past those points, hormones can be harmful after that. So it really, you have to kind of get in a certain window in order to consider hormones as an option. Right. And you had said the importance of trusting your doctor because, once again, you have to really weigh your options and understand the risks. Right, exactly, exactly. And again, you know, being an advocate for yourself, like there's some women who don't want hormones whatsoever. And when, you know, and I as a, as a physician have to respect that. And I have to, you know, work with her in regards to what else can we do to help, you know, help her manage these, you know, symptoms. So yeah, it definitely is a trust, you know, on both ends um, in regards to coming up with a plan that's good for me as a physician and good for obviously the patient who's going through these things. Very good. Well, the last thing I want to touch on, which you really in your book, it kind of you hit us right right away, is the the talk, the conversation with your family, whether it's your daughter, your sisters, your girlfriends, and even your partner. So, right. kind of talk about the importance of those conversations. So important. There are some women who are, you know, I talk about in the book my the the sexual health changes, um, the the vaginal changes that that occur with perimenopause and menopause. And there are women who are suffering with these and not discussing it with their partner, um, which is, you know, something that's so important to the relationship. Like, you have to discuss, discuss these things with your partner so, you know, your partner will understand what is happening. Um, and they can, you know, obviously kind of, you know, empathize and, you know, work and be patient with you as you're trying to be patient with yourself to get through this. Um, so it's very important to have that communication um, with your partner and even your family in general. You know, there's mood swings that, you know, that occur. Um, so, you know, so they, they won't think that, you know, mom is just, they, just totally crazy for no reason. Like, there's a reason for this. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you, there's a and reason. I know you, there's 
Go ahead. And I know you've been saying that sometimes the partner blames themselves for what's going on too. So that's why really the key is just the conversation, the lines of communication and conversation have to be continual. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The partner blames themselves like, you know, she's going crazy because because I did something or um, her libido is decreased because she's not attracted to me anymore. Like it's, you know, definitely it goes hand in hand. So the communication is so key to, you know, allow the relationship to, you know, essentially kind of be supported and, you know, essentially as she is evolving, the relationship will evolve and they, you know, continue to just kind of support each other. Right, because, you know, you had mentioned in the book, which is so true, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I tell that, you know, tell women that we are so complex. We are complex <laughs> beings, uh, and, and we are just different. And men, right. they, are, you know, they are different, and they don't, they don't understand. But if we talk to them, give them the information, maybe they'll take in a little bit of something, you know, a little bit of it. But... <laughs> But they can't say we didn't tell them. So there you go. There you go. It's like, yeah, that's wonderful. Well, I always want to say thank you again, Dr. Ballard, for your time today. This has been extremely interesting, and informative, and and I recommend to anybody, uh, please uh, read this book, "Loving Me, Myself, and Her Through Perimenopause and Beyond." You will not be disappointed. Now, last thing, Dr. Ballard, you and I discussed a follow-up podcast on mental health and menopause. So I hope we can get you on uh, in the future. Okay, that sounds like a great plan. I, I enjoyed the discussion. And yes, you know, like I said, like you said, you know, my book is definitely a great guide um, for women just to kind of get them through this process. They can go to my website at drjoyelle.com and, mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, start the process. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you again. Uh, Till next time, I am your host, Jason Kotar with Knowledgeable Aging.